Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're here. You know, we're working through something that even precedes Ernest Holmes, The Science of Being Great, Wallace D. Waddles, written in 1910, part of the background, if you will, of what was going on in the world in terms of Ernest Holmes and when he began composing and synthesizing his ideas around the science of mind. So last week, we covered the main thesis of the book, To Be Great, We Also Have to Be Wise. And he talked about this... uh, this infinite intelligence, this infinite wisdom in a little bit different way, not just that we know stuff. Because there's the temptation to think that cosmic wisdom is just around knowing stuff, being able to answer the questions on a quiz or being able to remember the presidents in order or something like that, right? The, the kind of factual things that sometimes we fill our heads with. And, and it is that, don't get me wrong, but true wisdom is more than facts. Wisdom is also sorting out the truth from the facts. And not only the truth maybe in terms of truth versus Versus fiction, but also truth in terms of what's important to us personally. What do we stand for? Those capital T truths that hopefully that we build our lives on. And so wisdom well beyond this idea uh, of simply fact finding. Today we're going to build upon this idea as we explore more about the mind of God. We know that the mind of God contains wisdom, uh, but it also contains the means by which we can harness that wisdom. So that's how we're going to move forward today. Waddles makes it clear that we can use spirit's mind as we will because we're not really separate from spirit. Spirit's creative laws respond to us individually as well as they respond to anyone as well as they respond to spirit itself. And I wanted to read you a short quote about that in here. He says, if you desire a thing, Picture it clearly and hold the picture steadily in your mind until it becomes a definite thought form. Now, you'll remember in the science of mind often, Ernest Holmes would call that a mental equivalent. Here he calls it a definite thought form. And if your practices are not such as to separate you from God, then the thing you want will come to you in material form. In fact, he says, it must do so in obedience to the law by which the universe was created. And I love that. So he's basically saying the same thing that brought the universe into existence is here to work for you just as tirelessly, just as powerfully. Of course, I hope one or more of you would say to me, well, okay, Larry, so why don't I have a better chance of having this work? (laughs) It's like if this is working, if this is true, if this is active in the world, if true, because I'm sure we've all pictured clearly in our mind some kind of good that we would like to receive, and yet we have not received that. Now, sometimes we have, but also sometimes we have not. So what is that? He snuck in this one, I don't know, subordinate clause or whatever they're called in the middle here. And I I just wanted to read this part one more time just so that we can talk about it. And if your practices are not such as to separate you from God, then the thing you want will come to you in material form. Uh Uh-oh. 
<laughs> right? Uh-oh. And then he goes on to talk about, sadly, <laughs> three different forms of separation and what causes them. And so I wanted to cover those with you today. Because if we truly do wish to take more spiritual control over our lives, this idea of unity with spirit becomes all important. For us to harness that power that we talk about, for us to use that creative force, we really have to be one with it. And so the three forms of separation that he talks about. Oh, wait a minute. I completely forgot my joke. Let me slip that in. (laughs) So after four years of separation, a man and his wife finally divorced amicably. He wanted to date again, but he had no idea really of how and where to start. Well, a friend suggested the internet, but he was kind of old-fashioned. He decided the more basic approach in the personal column of the newspaper. After looking through all the listings, he circled three that seemed possible in terms of their ages and interests, but he was a little timid. He was put off from calling them. Well, two days later, there was a message on the answering machine from his ex-wife. I came over to your house to borrow some tools today, and I saw the ads you circled in the paper. Don't call the second one. It's me. (laughs) And so... And so this idea of separation, this idea of pulling away from one another, it really just doesn't work. And the three forms of separation in particular that he talks about that I want to stress today, first is the separation that comes from beliefs that are contrary to divine principles. You can't be praying for abundance and at the same time bemoan and focus on all the lack in your life and expect to get anywhere. You can't both desire to have greater love and then treat your neighbor poorly. Do you see the, Do you see what's happening here? It, it, it's like that cognitive dissonance of trying to have conflicting things in our own mind. And here, the mind we're talking about is the mind of God. God knows no lack. God, God has perfect abundance in its realm. God knows only perfect love. And if we wish to harness those principles, we have to be in alignment with them. Now, the, the good news is, you know, we teach a lot about how we can begin editing our thoughts here. Most of us at one time or another who've been around for a while have become accustomed to putting that little filter in our head so that we're actually, at least some of the time, (laughs) aware of what we're thinking and aware of what comes out of our mouths. Now, not all the time, right? There's still some room for humanity here, but we're used to that idea of our thoughts being powerful, so what am I really thinking? So here's that, that point of separation. We can't in the morning in our prayers pray for one thing in that high and holy vision of God's universe and then spend our day mentally tearing it down. When we do that, we're literally backing away, separating ourselves from the thing that we desire. Now, you might say, well, it's okay. I've got this compartmentalized. (laughs) But I I would suggest to you, spirit doesn't know those compartments. You, You can't just be good and loving to your family and then just be a holy terror at work. It just doesn't work that way. You might think of it as separate. No, I'm a good and loving person because here I am with my family. 
but to spirit as soon as you enter that work environment and and start being an idiot or or, or doing things that are negative with your coworkers sadly you're pulling yourself right out of spirit's idea of love and truth and compassion and so so you're not going to get anywhere. It's that it's that idea of separation. And it works in all areas of your life as well. When we pull back from the idea of wholeness, it's interesting. I know so many people that, that do so many of the right things to take care of their physical bodies, and yet then you hear them talk about the limitations of their physical bodies. You know, for all their efforts on the positive side with good nutrition or good exercise, then they separate themselves away from the pure wholeness in the mental equivalent with spirit. When they talk about the aches and pains, when they talk about the limitations that they're having, when they talk about the inevitabilities of getting older, all of those things act to the detriment of that physical wholeness that they so desire. Now, how can we take care of this? Well, ultimately, of course, it is editing the mind. When we notice it, that's the best time in the world to just put on the brakes and say, wait a minute, where am I going with this? Do I want to experience that division at work every day when I go in? Do I want to experience things that are unhealthy or filled with lack? Well, if I don't, I need to change the thinking. I need to get back with that true power, that true wholeness, that that true joy, whatever it is I feel that I'm lacking, I claim it as though I have it. And then the unity wells up again. Then, then spirit is working on your side because spirit knows that it is the joy that is true. It is the wholeness that is true. It is the perfection of being that is the truth of the cosmos. And when we align ourselves with that, it is that unity that is the powering force of bringing the manifestations that you desire. It's that case of needing to claim as though we already have the thing that we desire. Then we're in that zone, we're in that place of unity, we're in alignment with the spiritual principles that we wish to see playing out in our life. Now, can we be perfect at this? I I wish it were true. I think I'm getting better at it personally, honestly, uh, but we start where we are. We start where we are, and there's no harm and no foul We really do just begin noticing more and more of some of the the negative thinking that we have, the negative opinions that we have, and instead we begin editing them. We we begin saying things like, wow, I don't really need to just, just talk up a storm in a negative way about that anymore because I desire love instead. I don't really need to dwell on the the bills and and what appears to be my my shrinking social security checks or whatever it is. I'm going to live in the abundance of spirit, right? And when we when we orientate our thinking that way, when we become used to thinking on the positive side, that unity with spirit then begins to pick up the slack. It begins to show us the truth of that claim. So what's the second thing that separates us from God? And here's a big one that's going on in the United States right now, and that's how we treat other people. Now, we like to think that unity is between us and spirit. 
what about all the other people? Are they not part of spirit too? Do you see the trouble here? The instant that I say my neighbor is a miserable so-and-so, boom, there is something that is God and there is something that is not. And when we do that, the unity is lost in that instant. When we treat people poorly, when we think about people poorly, we are saying by definition that there is God and there is something not. Now, I know this is a really tough one. We have some stinky issues up for us. Some of us personally with people in our lives. Some of us uh, locally in the community with friends and neighbors or ex-husbands or, or <laughs> disenfranchised grandchildren or you know any number of things in our personal life. And then amp that up into the political world. What's going on in local and national and even world politics. There's any reason to think that we probably have it up for all kinds of people and groups of people and individuals. And I will tell you, when you harbor those resentments, you have clearly pulled yourselves out of unity with spirit. Now, there are two ways out of this one, and I'll try to present them, but they're a little complicated. One maybe isn't so complicated, and that's forgiveness. But what I do know is it's so very hard to forgive people and institutions that we don't even really know. Sometimes when we can actually do amends and forgiveness with someone one-on-one, -on -one, we do really have that sense of processing through it, I think in a heartfelt way. But I would suggest a lot of the resentments we have right now are with people we've never met and institutions that, that seem to put us at a disadvantage and we're reacting to that disadvantage. So forgiveness is one way of looking at it. Another way, though, I would like to suggest is that we are all perfect, but we're not finished yet. Waddles talks about this, I think, in a very powerful way. He talks about all of us perfect exactly the way we are, and yet all of us are on a path towards greater completion. And so let us begin thinking of some of our neighbors that we're having trouble with, not as just a mess or, or with negative energy or resentment. Let us begin thinking them on a path towards greater unfoldment and completion. That for what they know and for what they are right now, that is whole and perfect for them. It may not appear outwardly in the world as wholesome to you, but they too are on a path even as you are. They too have their good and bad days even as you do. And let us have that opening to the idea that there is as much divinity, as much capability, as much potential for all of the good in them as there is in you. And when you can start looking at people as not quite finished yet, but with the potential... I think that you'll slide into that greater sense of unity again. In, in God's world, truly, we are all perfect, uh, but we're in flux. We're in that idea of a progression. And ideally, of course, that progression towards emancipation from ills of all kinds, from negative thinking, from negative experiences, we're, we're all on that path. 
Some of us may achieve that level of emancipation in this lifetime. Some perhaps will be here in some other spiritual form later to achieve that. But all of us capable of that, all of us moving towards that, all of us perfect in our own way, right how we are right now. Just perhaps not complete. The third form of separation that he talks about is a tricky one. We often separate ourselves from other people, and we just finished talking about that, but we also often separate ourselves from ourselves. And by this, he really means that idea of us simply not believing that we have any level of divinity in ourselves. And so this can show up as a lack of self-esteem. This can show up as a self-depreciating humor. It can show up as, a, as our prayers not being answered because we really don't believe that we deserve the good life or, or that the good life isn't for us. It can show up as us saying things like, I'm just really not smart enough to get this new job or I'm really not lovable enough or, or worthy enough for the kind of relationship I want. Sometimes we'll, we'll pin our hooks on our family situations or our work situations and we'll say, well, well, people, people like my people, right, just never manage to, to get where we want to go. Or, or people like me just, just don't get the kind of jobs that I want. And what we're doing is we're separating ourselves from spirit. We're separating ourselves really from the power and the presence of God that is indwelling. You have the power that created the Big Bang. You have the wisdom of all time. You have the ability to tap into any kind of quality of God, whether it be joy or love or peace of wholeness. You, you have all of those abilities, and when we deny them, we pull ourselves back from spirit and suddenly it becomes difficult to manifest anything in our lives. The closer we are to God, the more powerful our manifestations will be, the more beautiful our lives will run. And it's interesting, I think, because as teenagers, we, we want to differentiate ourselves from things. Well, a lot of us, I think, still have that teenager in us. And the trouble, we've differentiated ourselves way down the rabbit hole. It's like, I can do it all myself. I'm powerful enough to figure it all out. You know, I'm that emancipated person. And, and I can do it all. I can be it all. You know, I've watched some dear friends of mine with that attitude of being it all and doing it all as though this was a way for my friends to show how powerful they were. And what I see, unfortunately, often is the reverse. They get so burned out on showing how powerful they are that they don't realize true power isn't in what you do. It's not the ability to juggle families and careers and, and, and a million different things at once. That's not true power. True power is that inward connection to spirit. It's that inward recognition that whoever I am, I'm completely sufficient. There's nothing ever lacking in me because I am pure 
spirit. So let me recap really quickly here. The three aspects that separate us from God, beliefs that are contrary to divine principles. That's where we have to edit our thinking. Am I really in alignment with my thoughts in terms of what I want to achieve in the world? The second one is how we treat other people. When we pull away from other people, we're pulling away from spirit. When we denigrate other people or think poorly of other people, we're pulling ourselves away from spirit. And then the third thing that separates us from God is really denying our own divine nature. It's really seeing ourselves as less than. We're literally pulling ourselves right away from the divinity and the power that exists within each one of us. I want to quote another thing from Waddles here before we talk briefly about homework. You must learn not to look upon the world as a lost and decaying thing, but as something that is perfect and glorious, which is going on to a most beautiful completeness. So there's that idea of things are fine just the way they are, but they're moving on to a greater degree of completeness. You must learn to see men and women not as lost and accursed things, but as perfect beings advancing towards their completion. All right, homework. So this week, I think it's a simple one, but it will require you to employ that use of the filter. So your homework this week is to notice when you have separated yourselves from spirit. Next time, we'll talk more about what you can do to get back on track, I promise. Uh, this week, the simple exercise of just notice when you're holding those contrary beliefs to what you want, when you're treating others poorly, and when you're treating yourself poorly, when you're ignoring your own divine nature. So that's your homework for this week. On the back of the Science of Mind textbook, Ernest Holmes has what he calls meditations. And this is one that has meant a lot to me over the years because I think it represents unity. And sometimes when I'm feeling really separate from people, when I'm feeling separate from spirit, I'll use this meditation. It's called My Word Comes Back to Me by Ernest Holmes. He says, My word comes back to me laden with the fruits of its own speech. My word is the law unto my life and the law unto everything that I speak. O word, go forth and heal and bless all humanity. Tell them of their divine birthright. Tell the stranger that he is not alone, but that the one goes with him. Tell the sick that they are healed. Tell the poor that they cannot want. Tell the unhappy of the joy of the soul and break the bonds of those who are in prison. My word shall come back to me, blessed of God, blessed of humankind. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one wholeness, one joy, one peace. All of the good that we desire already exists in the mind of God. And what I know about the mind of God is that it is my mind as well. That God's love is mine. God's peace is mine. The health, the wholeness, the abundance, the joy, the beauty that is in God is mine. 
And so for this week, I know there's a willingness on my part to see everyone and everything as part of God. I'll develop a a clear vision of my own life as I would like to see it. And in times of separation, when I notice that, that somehow my life has become derailed from the one mind of spirit, I bring it back into alignment through forgiveness, through editing my thoughts, through a better understanding of my fellows as part of spirit, through my own clear understanding of myself as part of spirit. I come into alignment. I become one with spirit. And as it is true for me, I know it can be true for everyone, each of us an individualized center of consciousness, each of us part of the mind of God. And as we realize that unity, manifestations of our fondest dreams come quickly and powerfully. And so for this, I give great thanks. I release my prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.